the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters Plotcast podcast. This is episode 38 and I'm Julia. And I'm Elaine and I can hear the ice cream man in the distance. Oh, lovely. I'll have a 99, please. Oil Elaine. then and we'll get off. Now, Elaine, we have to move into the polytunnel today, haven't we? We have because it's so windy outside. I know we're going to be talking about brassicas, your brassicas in a minute. And uh, it's nothing to do with that type of wind. But it is windy, isn't it, out now? It is, yeah. So if you hear any funny noises, is it you? No, is it you? (laughs) (laughs) In that case, we'll both point at Gareth and blame him. But yes, it is windy outside. Go on, how do people get in contact with us? Right then, are you ready for this? Mm. Now, I've been practising, so I hope everybody's listening very carefully. Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Potty Plotters. TikTok at The Potty Plotters. Email us naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk or check out our website pottyplotters.uk. Oh, well done, my friend. Thank you well very done. Much. Now, yes. someone who obviously wasn't listening properly, yes. uh, we went out and did a talk this week, didn't we? <laughs> and I don't know what they were expecting. I think they were expecting us to turn up with some clay and a wheel or something because they were expecting the potty potters. Yeah. I've never done any pottery, have you? Oh, yeah, and I love it. Ooh, Absolutely ooh, love I can it. see but... behind a wheel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny, though, wasn't it? Because yeah. they thought we were going to be something to do with plant pots. <laughs> <laughs> but we oh yeah and then do you remember those ones that were expected in the ploppy ploppers i don't know what they thought we were going to do but uh, yeah anyway so listen carefully it is the potty plotters right then so we've been having a chat this week with ros chandler haven't we all about yeah. flowers and growing them and she's a flower farmer and oh the Cape Gooseberries. <laughs> now, well, they're taking over everything and we'll catch up about that later on. OK. And a bit of advice about fruit bushes, Elaine. OK, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, and uh, bragging rights for me for broccoli. Yeah, sure, and, move on. Yeah, and uh, whatever else we can squash into the next 30 minutes. All right, then, hurry up then, because that ice cream man, I think he's just gone round the corner. OK. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Right, Elaine. Cape Gooseberries. Now, there's a story behind these, isn't there? There was, yeah, because um, a couple of three years ago, I set some and they are dead easy to grow. And so what I did was sprinkle um, seeds over the top of a tray of multipurpose compost. And then I sort of abandoned them. I wasn't that bothered. I wasn't really sure if they were going to work. But nevertheless, watered them, set them to one side. And of course, Cape gooseberries are also known as fissilis, which is not a sexually transmitted disease. Is it not? Not at all. <laughs> no, and uh, there you go. And uh, also known as lanterns, all kinds of things. But out of all the seeds, let me tell you, all of them germinated. I ended up potting on around 300 little tiny seedlings thinking well only half will work all of them worked yeah so what did you do i told everybody that they were the super fruit of that year and that they all got to have them and so people took them away diligently repotted them and so the story went on these blooming cape gooseberries were everywhere i did a whole raised bed full of them and then as people tried to get past my plot i made them take some because they turn into little lanterns sort of little opaque 
um, Chinese lanterns, that's what yeah. they're known as. But when you open them, inside is a bright yellow orange fruit and it is delicious. Oh, now and I know what you mean. I always used to yeah. think they only came with like um, in posh restaurants. You know, oh, when you do. had a lovely yeah. dessert and yeah. they came on the side and yeah. you thought, oh, where's that that's come? That's it. very exotic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. No, they come from Sainsbury's. But... All I can say is, Julia, they are so easy, but I did laugh this morning because I was going through your polytunnel. <laughs> I wanted to go and see Barry's dahlias, see how he was going on. And it's fair to say that the Cape gooseberries that I made you plant, you did plant. Yes, I only planted three of them, Elaine. So um, you gave them me and I kept looking at them thinking, oh, I suppose I ought to do something with them. She'll be disappointed if I've not done anything with them. And they were very, very tiny when you gave them me. And I actually thought, oh, they won't amount to much. Anyway, they're taking over my polytunnel now. So so much so they've completely swamped two tomato plants and a pepper. So they're going to have to come out because they're not seeing the light at all but the cape gooseberries are just going mad now you've told me that i have to wait don't i before i can harvest them yes and all you do now is you'll find that the pods that they're living in the little fruit is living in is bright green leave it until it goes like brown but what will happen you will notice is that they'll drop to the floor if you don't get them early enough it's okay because they are protected still in their little case yes but get them as soon as they start to turn opaque but what was dead funny was Bill the Muck Man I'm talking like nobody else is here now it doesn't really matter does it well everybody knows Bill now don't <laughs> yeah, they yeah Bill the Muck Man and Bill the Muck Man got me the other day it was last Sunday actually he said hey what about them gooseberry plants you gave me so I looked at him and I thought I don't remember giving him any gooseberry plants they were cape gooseberries so I've explained to him what he needs to do but he was expecting gooseberries as in gooseberries and no they're not they're very different yes and they taste very different there's no prickles at all and they are beautiful I think everybody should have them I haven't got a trumpet, I haven't even got my recorder, you'll be pleased to know. But Julia, you will take the rights, they are bragging rights for your broccoli this year. I thank you. Thanking you indeed, and and the cauliflower. I've never seen one so big or perfect until I dropped your cauliflower. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) this morning. Now then, tell us about that. Well, you know I love the brassicas. I love brassicas to eat, so um, it makes sense to grow them. I know you think it's a bit of a faff with all the you know, pests and everything you've got to protect them from, but actually when you grow yourself a nice head of broccoli and you can take it home, it's, it's just lovely. And it's something that I do every year. And I think that broccoli is easier to grow than cauliflower. Cauliflower, we know, can be quite difficult, but the broccoli is... There's just a couple of conditions you really need to be aware of when you're planting anything like a broccoli plant. Is First of all, get them set in a seed tray beforehand. We always set things as plants and leave them to grow on until they've got about four to six leaves. And that's really important because I want to know that when I'm putting the broccoli in the ground, it's a nice, healthy plant to start off with because there's enough problems out there that it's going to have to deal with. Then when you plant it, make sure it's really firm into the ground anything where you plant in a brassica you need to firm it in so i use the back of actually i use the back of my heel and i'm quite delicate believe it or not because i know i'm clumsy but i do i am very careful about it or you could use your heel of your hand to to squash it in 
and then I just give it a pool of water and leave it in covered netting and that's really important because even when you're planting it at that baby plant stage that's um that's only got four to six leaves what will happen is the next day if you come then the birds will have had it so you've got to allow it to grow on but also then of course as it's growing you've got all kinds of things to contend with you've got the birds you've got the um cabbage white fly which will go for any brassica um anything will have have you you know probably the rats and the squirrels everything will have it and the mice so we just leave it to grow on and it grows well I don't know what would you say it's like a little tree it yeah. grows like a tree it grows upward and then you as it forms a head and these ones are quite big and I think the variety that I've got here is called Iron Man I think it was a different variety hold that... on a moment Julie I've got my bag at the side oh you're gonna not believe what's in have the you side got your tape bag. measure I have oh now then let's not talk about let's guess no men shake when you get that out don't they <laughs> <laughs> Now, is it going side to side? And that, in yeah. English language, is nine and a half inches, my friend. Yes. Well done. Now, on the other side of the tape, it's uh, quite small, but it's 24 centimetres round. So that, yeah. I mean, that's going to feed the family two meals at least in our house. Is that it? Yeah. That's all the wrapping broccoli. broccoli. Mm. No. So the main thing to remember is when you've got the broccoli growing, you take the head off you think about what you buy in the supermarket yeah, really it and, looks like yeah, it except yeah. three times bigger yeah and then just cut it off at the top and leave the broccoli plant in there and what will happen over time is that you will get uh, heads of broccoli coming out from the side so you'll end up with more broccoli they won't be as big as the central one but you'll end up with loads more and what is interesting when we were talking this morning because obviously with the broccoli i planted the cauliflowers now that was a a really nice surprise because we'd not been on the plot for a week and there all of a sudden there's a big cauliflower but what surprises say big julia i feel in clay another massive one. Oh, oh here we go again well that's again. even bigger than the broccoli I mean, that is a monster yeah i mean it? i could enter that in a competition but you know i'd rather eat it to be honest with <laughs> now you then, i'm gonna go across that well that's eight and a half inches and in other language it's 21 and a half yeah. centimeters so that makes it's a, a beauty that it is lovely and it's nice and it's got a solid head but what surprises me or i don't even know how it works so when you cut the broccoli and you cut the head off you end up with side shoots when we cut the cabbage and we cut it off from the stem and if we put a cross on it you end up with more cabbages, cabbages. but when you cut a cauliflower you don't end up with another cauliflower if you leave the stem in it just rots is that Elaine? I don't know. The only thing I know about is cauliflower ears. Do they grow in there? <laughs> the Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Our guest this week is Ros Chandler and she's from the Cut Flower Podcast. Well, that piqued our interest straight away, didn't it, <laughs> yeah, Elaine? Because yeah. we do love flowers and we are thinking of growing even more, more on the plot. This. Yeah, yeah, that's So, we actually spoke to her a couple of weeks ago and it was bucketing down, wasn't it? It, it was. was absolutely chucking it down and we asked her for some recommendations of flowers that we can plant for next year. It depends whether you're actually growing for pleasure or profit and how much time you've got. But I think um, I would certainly be thinking about my hardy annuals at this time of year and thinking, OK, what am I going to plant now to take me through? Um, either I'm going to get them out or I'm going to overwinter them under cover and get them out for the spring. So we've started that already for sure. 
and um, we're we're starting planting our hardy annuals and we're getting them under cover except the tunnels and the greenhouses have been very very hot so they're still outside on tables outside the polytunnels ready to go in but we've done sweet peas we're doing larkspur we've already um, done some direct sowing of Orlea grandiflora so this time of year we would definitely be looking at our hardy annuals and getting those ready and and, pl- and planning lots and lots of planning so this week we'll have a planning meeting. That sounds really posh, doesn't it? But it's not yeah. posh. No, it's not posh at all. It's four of us, four of us sitting around over a cup of coffee. It gives us an excuse to sit inside and pouring over the seed catalogs and saying, okay, what are we not going to grow next year that we grew this year, which was we weren't that happy with? And even after 12 years of growing, there are still things this year that I definitely wouldn't grow again. And I think that's – and every year I never learn. So there are some things we definitely won't grow again next year. And then we'll have a whole list. And I'll write this whole enormous list of all the flowers which I've done that I want for next year. And they'll all go, mm, it's a bit long, Wills. And let's play it out. And how much space are we going to have? And, and I've gone. And then, it, then you think, okay, well, how many flowers do I want to grow next year? And I've said, I want to grow 300,000 is what I've said. <gasps> wow. And that can be a stem of grass, a stem of bisomedia or maxima, or it can be a dahlia with lots of plants. But how many actual cut flower stems do I want next year? And I think the minimum is 300,000. The amount that you're talking of growing, how many acres have you got? I've got five acres, but I don't grow over five acres. I probably grow over about two and a half. But I read something in a magazine this week with another flower farmer in the UK, which got me thinking. They grow over an acre and they think they get 200,000 stems in an acre. Whether that's turning tulips around into dahlias, so you've got double whammy, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Whether that's successional sowing of annuals, so even more double whammy. But 200,000 stems out of an acre, I thought that was quite challenging. But that's what the magazine said. You were saying, are we growing as a commercial or just for pleasure? Well, obviously, we're on an allotment site and we're not allowed to sell our our flowers so we just grow them to give them away have you got any tips for us about what might be fashionable or so what's the difference are there certain flowers that attract a bigger premium if you were selling them and what do you think really we should be growing just for pleasure really yeah I think you've got to think of a bouquet you know what's in it and growing for pleasure and I, and I teach people to grow for pleasure and there are probably five top flowers I would do which are easy peasy so I would grow what would be top of my five list Orleo grandiflora that nice white fluffy filler flower that fills all the holes amazing along with Ami Ami Visnagra oh, yeah. Ami but I'll call that just one because otherwise I'm going to run out. Uh, number two would probably be something like a clary sage in sort of purple, pinks and whites because it grows like wildfire. It's really productive. We've still got it now. It starts really early. It's a very long season. So something like a clary sage would be amazing. So on top of that, I would definitely grow a sweet rocket. I'm back to my white flowers again because it's very tall, 1.2 meters, white, fluffy, goes in everything, brilliant. You can grow it in white or in purple. So sweet rocket, definitely. I'm thinking uh, maybe some cornflowers, but don't do too many. They can get a bit straggly and they get a bit entwined but, and need a bit of support. But something like the very vibrant blue ones, or the Black Knight, the sort of burgundy ones, grow some cornflowers because they're really easy. 
Yep. So cornflowers. How many have I had? I must have only had one. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I would grow uh, some scabious, definitely some scabious, either the annual or the perennial. If you've got giant scabious as a perennial in a lemon colour, it grows to about seven foot. Ooh. It's an amazing flower. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scabious. And then I wouldn't miss some some flocks. Or yeah. some, yeah, some flocks. Oh, and I nearly forgot China China asters was the first year we grew them this year. And we grew them in that apricot colour and pinks. Beautiful colours. As soon as they're out, they need picking, really, because they don't they go over quite quickly. But they're easy to grow, and I would recommend a China asters in that nice apricotty kind of colour. Have you ever grown something and bitterly regretted it? Because you see, as soon as you mentioned Aster, I've got a pink purple one and it will be put into different bouquets that we'll be doing next week. But certainly it's one of my regrets. Have you got any? Oh, I've got loads every year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm still haven't learnt. Um, I wouldn't grow wallflowers, those poor little wallflowers. I know they're a biennial and they're quite good and they fill a gap in June. But they're very thin. They're not very flowery. And I don't think they're worth the space in the garden. So they'd be out of my list. Uh, Probably I grew lots this year, and I don't know how this happened, of yellow croissants. I didn't order yellow croissants, and they're all bright yellow. And they're in the tunnel, and there's probably hundreds of them. And we never really use them, sell them, like them. I mean, how that happened, that's definitely on the off list. And we're coming up, obviously, over the next few weeks into autumn over to winter. I mean, for a lot of people, it's really depressing. There's so little colour in some gardens. What could you recommend that people grow who are listening to this thinking, yeah, I can cheer myself up. I'll grow this. I'll do that. I'll buy that, whatever it might be. It's very difficult at this time of year and for us yeah. too, you know. I mean, you could buy lots of plants which were, you know, berries that got berries and things on them. And, and December's you know, honestly, I think we should just huckle down at Christmas and make lots of briefs and make beautiful arrangements and use what we've got and forage and have berries and use lots of dried. We do a lot of drying here. <laughs> so we yesterday I picked 200 straw flowers and I picked some limonium and some status and some poppy seed heads. And I will be that will be what I'll be taking through the winter for me. How did you end up doing what you're doing now? Because oh, mad. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do something and think about how to do it afterwards. It's part of my character. But I way back about, I suppose we bought this house kind of derelict. My husband's in construction about 15 years ago. And it was very derelict. I hadn't been lived in for a number of different years. And it did take 15 years to, to actually finish it, I will hasten to add. But I won't talk about a husband who works in construction, never does anything. Around <laughs> the house. Uh, apart from that, he, uh, I then, we had some land with it. It's got five acres with it. And I think my husband had grand plans of thinking, what could he do with it? I mean, that'd be lovely. And he could ride his trials bike, motorbike across it and all those sort of things. Uh, uh, so we bought, so we, we decided to have some pigs. We'd never had pigs before. And then came the chickens and then came the goats. And then came this, do you know, I don't even know where I saw it. Something online which said, oh, do you want to come for a half-day cutting patch course and you can learn to have cutting flowers? I thought, oh, that's interesting. I don't have a background in horticulture. I don't know anything about plants at this stage. I wouldn't have been able to tell you one flower to another. I wasn't brought up in that environment. You know, we, we were in a new town and our gardens were very small and it wasn't the idyllic in the countryside that you would love. 
So I thought, well, I could go on that course. I could do that. So off I trundle on this half-day course. And I do this half-day course and I think, hmm, this is quite interesting. I wonder if I can make any money out of this as my brain starts ticking. And I had three raised beds, which I bought from Harold Horticultural way back then. And I've still got them today. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And I threw some seeds in direct and I did some other seeds in germination. And then I thought, oh, I reckon I could do this. And then each year it just got bigger and bigger. And along came a polytunnel from first tunnels. And after that came more plants and foliage and roses. And then then came the team and then came. And I was still working as a marketing sales and marketing director at that point, thinking this is mad. And then I started running some online courses during COVID on how to have your own cutting garden and how to be a profitable flower farmer and anything to do with flowers. And that kind of took off and that became another world. And I thought, oh, this is another world I can get into. And so, yeah, the sales and marketing director boots or suit or whatever you wear, definitely my, my cupboard's been cleared out of all of those suits and black trousers and shirts. And I won't ever return to a marketing sales director role. And I am now a fully 100% seven days a week, 24 hours a day flower farmer. We're obsessed with the weather being a lot yes. of years. We're obsessed with the weather. Oh, my. So you must be, I mean, you must be thinking, oh, God, it's raining, it's battering on my flowers, which is exactly what we're we do. doing, yeah. Yeah, I've got three apps on my phone, you know, the rain <laughs> alert and the wind alert. Yeah. It's very difficult. One stage, you know, when we've got really hot weather and it starts to rain, I'm out doing a rain dance thinking, great, I don't have to water anywhere. And that's a big job and an expensive job. So yeah. if I don't have to do it, I just think, great, I haven't got to do it. So I get quite excited with rain. But I do. I do worry about the cold. I worry about the frost. You know, is it going to come early and therefore the, the daily is going to be over? Or is it going to, you know, is it going to come like it did last winter and kill off some shrubs, which was a big thing? So it, I live by the weather. I absolutely live by the weather. And I love heat. I love real heat. But I think the thing we have to plan here on the farm is, oh, it's going to rain today. We better do the stuff in the tunnels. Oh, well, we'll cut our roses down or we'll feed our roses or whatever we'll do. And we have sort of wet jobs and dry jobs and indoor jobs like choosing seeds, which is a nice job. How do you keep on top of your pests? Well, slugs are a problem for dahlias, of course, mainly. Yeah. So we use an old traditional method of beer traps. So we're using uh-huh. beer traps. So we let them fall in the trap and have a nice drink. I did that with then- my husband. <laughs> And actually, they don't like cheap beer. They like nice, expensive beer. I've tried it with Tesco's own, doesn't like it. Give it a nice bit of pale ale or a Guinness and the slugs really like it. So we use beer traps. We use nematodes on smaller areas because you need a lot of them. Yeah. And then we use a, a product called Sluggo, which is like a natural product. And that is like a pellet. Yeah. And it gets rid of it, but, it's, but it degrades in the environment, so it's really important to me. Ross, can you remind us how, if anybody wants to know how to make any decorations or go online and do their thing with you, with all the flowers and magnificent things that are out there at the moment, or generally listen to your podcast, how do people get in touch with you? So our podcast is called The Cut Flower Podcast. Then we have an online membership called the Best Bunch Membership, which is everybody likes cut flowers, everybody wants to do things in cut flowers, whether that's for profit or for fun, come and join us over at The Best Bunch. And then we've got two free Facebook groups as well. So if you go on, the best place probably is to either look at the Cut Flower podcast in the show notes and see all the places you can get us 
Follow us on Instagram at Fieldgate Flowers. We love an Instagram follow. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Ross. Bye. Bye. Hints and tips for shortcuts to success. The Potty Plotters Podcast. Elaine, autumn leaves. What are you going to do with them now? (laughs) I do remember, I don't know whether we should ever mention this ever again, but I do remember you dressed as a badger, kicking some autumn leaves. I did, yeah. I've got lots of stories about leaves, but we'd better not go into them. So what are you going to do with the autumn leaves instead of kicking them? Right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make free mulch, and it is brilliant. Now, the other thing is, Julia, that this year I am going to be putting in new raised beds. So some things on my plot are moving, such as the fruit bushes. I'm rehashing, redesigning, down the right hand side of my plot so what I will be doing as soon as the leaves start falling is I go out with my rake rake them all up and I put them into a black plastic bag it's really important that it's a a black plastic one because what I want the the leaves to do is to sweat and by sweating what actually happens is they start to mulch down they start to break up so then it makes it a lovely mulch now you can of course bag them up leave them on the top of your plot and leave them there for 12 months or whatever but what i'm going to do is i'm going to put them into the bottom of my raised beds so that i'll be not only bulking them out but i'll also be adding some different structure so that the compost and the soil that goes in there will already have um some earthiness to it if that makes sense well you won't be putting the black bin bags in the bottom of no just the leaves sorry about that yeah (laughs) were you thinking i'm going to look like i'm growing back bin liners i thought what's she talking about (laughs) here so do you make holes in the black bin bags you can make holes in them yes but what i'll be doing is i'll bring them up and they won't have time to actually melt Ah. down but yes if you are going to keep them on the top of your plot whack some holes in and what we do is do you remember when we've had four in them before and you said think about somebody you don't like yeah that was the nasty side of you julia isn't it (laughs) yeah another thing people can do if they if they want to kind of go for a a more aesthetic look i suppose is a lot of people make open bins with chicken wire don't they Mm. and then they just fill that with the um yeah i've done that at home actually it takes forever for them to uh to mulch down and what i found is the weeds get in as well and it almost gives them a bit of a boost yeah but do you use them in your composters the leaves yeah Yeah. definitely and the other thing is that i keep them so that when we have the first frost and it cuts the dahlias having chopped down the dahlias then i cover where the dahlia stalk is above the um soil yes it's a fly and i wondered what that was that was just coming off your (laughs) cauliflower at the side of me it's all right it's flown away now no No, it's okay i wondered what it was um anyway what was i on about i don't know (laughs) but anyway hopefully somebody else was listening so all it is is that if you're going to chop down your dahlias keep some of those leaves back because you can then top up over um where the dahlias have actually lived okay contact the potty plotters anytime on facebook twitter and instagram at potty plotters or email naughty corner at pottyplotters.uk. well elaine we've asked people in the past and well we ask them every week don't we to get in contact with us and we do get them don't we we get emails and we've had one from peter peter marfleet and he's from windsor 
and he says hello ladies i've been using netting on my cabbages but something is completely destroying them would you know what has got into these thanks for all your help and he sent us a photograph yeah. now i actually thought my eyes were going bad because i said to you do you remember yeah i can't blooming see what's happened here they've been ravaged and savage but what's what's happening because it yeah. looks a bit blurry but he's taken the photograph over the netting in the wet weather yeah yeah so it made it hard to see but we did actually I don't know how we did it but we zoomed in on them didn't we and had a look at them and I'll tell you exactly what had happened so the cabbages have split that's all that's happened nothing's had them the cabbages have naturally split so what what sometimes happens with some vegetables carrots particularly uh, will have this problem sometimes uh, beetroot and and other um root vegetables things like that what has happened is we've had a period of dry and then we've had a period of intense water and basically there's been a massive growth spurt and they've bust their seams so that's all that's happened so all peter needs to do is just take it back a little bit and it's completely usable so when i say take it back take some of the outer leaves off and the center should be fine and uh, you know the only problem with it when they do split is it can sometimes introduce uh, molds and diseases yeah. and things but it should be fine if he takes it all the way back right to the core of the cabbages so the other one looked lovely actually there you go then, Peter. Hope that's answered your question. Yeah. And uh, Sheila. Sheila's been in contact, hasn't she? She has, and she sent us a lovely photograph of her tomatoes and says, Hello, ladies. I hope you're impressed. Cheers. We like saying cheers, cheers. don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sheila was a non-gardener, and we introduced her into gardening and growing tomatoes. So well done, Sheila, and all of your family, and hope that you are impressed by growing your own, because we certainly were. Now, would you like to sponsor an episode of this podcast for the future? If so, all you need to do is get in touch with us. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Fruit trees and bushes, Elaine. Well, I'm taking mine out, not all my trees, I'm taking the fruit bushes out because I want to uh, introduce some new bushes and I haven't got enough room and mine are very long, leggy and woody. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's going to be something that I'll start in the next few weeks when I get time. And uh, so really it's about what is it that people need to look for when they're buying new fruit bushes at this time of year yeah i remember when those fruit bushes went in of yours and i remember one thing that you did complain about was that your husband planted them too close and you said this is going to create a problem down the line i don't like to say told but you it so. did yeah. yeah told you so bill Just, <laughs> i'm getting there as well so uh, now is the perfect time if you are looking at introducing some fruit bushes or trees into your garden because now is the time for bare rooted trees and bushes and the beauty of that is they are a lot cheaper elaine so what are what you know when we say these things i know what you mean but i'm going to ask the questions like i don't know what you mean okay so what is a bare rooted either bush or a tree so normally you'd buy your plant in a plant pot with its compost yeah you'd buy everything there together bare rooted what happens is now whether it's the um, nurseries wherever they will go into their ground dig the plant up and basically it will come with maybe just a little bit of soil attached to it 
but all it will be is the tree with the roots and no compost no soil around it usually it comes in in some kind of protective covering for the roots just to keep them moist but that is about it so it really is a bare rooted yeah. tree or bush yeah um okay. so either they're cheaper obviously to deliver uh they are you get a much much wider choice of bare rooted trees than you do um things that are potted and the reason is, if you can imagine it, they're kind of almost second guessing when people are what, what they're going to have and they're going to have to keep potting things on and keep potting things on. If they're in the ground and they're already established, then they just dig them up and they've got a customer for them. So that's a much easier process for them. It is, and it's much, much cheaper, like I say. So it is a quick way to establish a, an orchard area, but also the range that you get from bare rooted is much greater than if you get so, potted. So for instance then that I buy some new black currants. Yeah. When I buy them bare rooted, what should I do when I bring them back to the plot? Put them straight in or do I water them? What, what do I do? Yeah, ideally you want to get them straight in if you can. The quicker you can get them in the ground the better. The important thing to remember is don't be planting them when there's a frost though or or if the area is absolutely sodden wet so you know like if we had a flood problem that particular leave them put them somewhere where um you know it's going to stay moist so one thing you could do if you're not ready to plant them in the place where you want them you could you could dig an area on your plot or in your garden and basically heal them in which yeah. just means that you settle them into the soil but that's not their permanent planting hole so but if you know where you're going with them, you dig yourself a hole. And now it's not recommended that you actually put compost and manure or anything in with them because that is almost kind of giving them a lovely feeding area that it means that they don't want to stretch their roots any further to go out and find the nutrients to establish themselves. So you just basically dig the hole and then backfill what you plant in. And, you know, whether it's a tree, you might need to put a stake in, but all that guidance usually comes with the uh, the bare-rooted tree or fruit bush that you get. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that, because that's what we're going to be doing very soon. Have you got an Inton Tippy Lane? Yes, it's all about lolly sticks. You know, they're a nice lolly. I do like them. Actually, I like all food, really, except for peas. But, right, ice lollies. <laughs> Scarra throws his hands up in despair. And let's not start picking on people about what they like and what they don't. Because no. we haven't got time in this podcast to talk about what you don't like to eat, Gareth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, then, the next thing, then, is uh, lolly sticks. The amount of times that we've been to different talks where people talk about saving their lolly sticks and use them as label markers. Why don't we like them? Uh, well, because A, they rot. Mm. B, whenever you write on them, the uh, ink bleeds. And C, if you use pencil, they just fade and you can't see what it is. So it's a bit of a nonsense, really. So reuse the plastic ones that you've got by scrubbing them with a Brillo pad or simply chopping up a yoghurt pot. They make brilliant um, labels. You've yeah. done loads, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, loads. Let's do that then. OK. Top-notch advice. No Latin included. The Potty Plotters Podcast. 
Thanks again to Ros Chandler for sharing her knowledge with us. And who knows, we might even be more successful next year with ours. I oh, think we will. Well, we might even move into flower farming, I think. Elaine. Do you think? Yeah. You know, when Gareth hasn't got too much to do, mm. maybe we could get him setting some raised beds. Well, I'm thinking half the polytonal flowers next year. Ooh, I know, yeah. extravagant. Next time we'll be talking about spring and getting our bulbs out. And we're going <laughs> What's the matter? You always read something into it, don't you? Anyway, uh, and we're also going to go back to the Derby County Community Trust allotment plot. Right. Yeah. Can you remember? Can you cast your mind back to episode 10, Elaine? No, I, I just remember that it was uh, cold and it was a bit muddy and uh, they'd not long started on oh, that well. plot when we went to meet them, yeah. Well, that that uh, chalet, as we called it, that yeah. uh, summer house has been upgraded. We've been invited along. In fact, we've been invited along quite often because <laughs> they've needed our help. And uh, we've, we're going to catch up with what's going on on that plot. All right, then. Can we talk them into growing more flowers, do you think? I think we can. I just think it's the way forward. I mean, I know you can't eat them, but I just think it's nice to give flowers away. But you can it? eat some, don't you remember, that you can oh, eat God. dahlias? Do you remember, I remember when you cooked them? them? Oh, my gosh, <laughs> yes, yeah. They were, a bit, they were a bit coarse, weren't they? Do you think well, it was the were. variety? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe we ought to think black and white. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media production. <laughs>